You know, when, when I think of Thanksgiving and I think of just the festivities, I was kind of taken back this year. Because I started noticing in social media that within social media, it started right off the bat. Cyber Monday, Cyber Tuesday, Cyber Wednesday, Cyber Thursday, Cyber Friday. I was so cybered out by the time that Black Friday event came around, I didn't want to go anywhere. You're tired. I kept getting so many emails. Am I the only one in the room? Let's interact together here, church. We all got the same emails. It was driving me crazy. So then, we, we all of a sudden, we get together with our family. And isn't it great just to be with family? You cut the turkey, the mashed potatoes, and all the good fixings and hams and whatever else you want to have. For some of you, you probably have your own tradition. Maybe you throw in their macaroni and cheese. I don't know what it is, but it's fun just to get together to have those that, that time of fellowship, just to be able to enjoy that with family. But you know what I noticed this year? So many people telling me that, did you hear the store opens up at 3 o'clock? I'm out of here. And then, did you hear that after 3 o'clock, the mall's going to open up at 6 o'clock? We're going to get the bet. Remember, they said the first 10 people that walk in that place, they're going to get a special little scratch off that says you get a $1.50 off your. See, they make us think that it's some big, exciting surprise, right? And really, in reality, it's not. What's a $1.50? You guys just got to do what your pastor does. You walk up to him, and first of all, you don't shop in the expensive part, you go to the clearance rack. You're already going to get 75% off, so I already won, not even having to be there for the $1.50 scratch off. But I think we get so wrapped up in the season that we forget the true meaning and the blessing of Thanksgiving as it, it becomes that segue as you go right into Christmas and remember who Jesus Christ is. Jesus, the newborn king. Isn't that wonderful? And I know even in my, my life, and I told myself, I'm not going to get wrapped up. And I will tell you, I've been guilty of it. Let's go ahead and we're going to, you know, get right out there and get some great deals. And I love that my girls are at the age that they're at because I'll never forget. I walked into Walmart. This isn't in my message, but I just have to throw it out there because you guys know how I am. I just have to take this road to this road. We'll all come back together and be on Route 8. But I'll never forget the time I walked into Walmart. And the doors were locked, and I kept th thinking to myself, and I forget what it was. I think it was that little doll that I wanted. You put their hands together and says, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. The doll didn't even have a soul, but I had to get it in there for my kids. So here's what I did. I, you know, I'm there, and, and I'm watching all these people. It was scary because... I'm standing outside the store, and these people, and these people, and the people behind me, and the people back behind me were pushing me, and before long, I felt like my face was right up against the glass. I'm like, hey, can you back off just a little bit? I'm serious. It was that crazy. And so, all of a sudden, the door opens up, and those people, they shoot to the back to get that little doll that says, now nah, I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, pray the Lord, whatever it was, all that good nonsense. And it was a cute little doll. I did get it. But do you understand? I'm like, I'm too cool for this kind of stuff. I'm, I'm just going to take my time and I'm just going to stroll. No, that, that's not really what happened. I saw that card. I grabbed that card and I started moving real fast like this across that store. And do you know, even though I moved that fast, 
the five dolls that they advertised, you know, everything's rain check, right? So you get five dolls and then you got to get the other 25 dolls by rain check. You don't even know if that's ever going to even come in. But I was so thankful because I went back there. The doll wasn't there, but I rounded that corner and there she sat. I knew it. I knew it was for us. So I, I grabbed the doll, put it in my car, and I'm like, man, all that. Well, then after I had an anxiety attack, IBS attack, all the other stuff that comes in with attacks, I said, I'll never do this again, and I didn't. I never went back into that store to ever do that again. What I realized is that even though Thanksgiving is the kickoff for Christmas, I realized that even though they call it Black Friday, and I don't know if you guys know what Black Friday is, but... For me this year, it was, we were in Michigan and Ohio State won. Okay, I just had to throw that in there too. And, uh, you know, I'm so sorry, Michigan. Even though we were in Michigan, and that was fun too, because our whole Michigan family for this reunion that we had last weekend, they all trinkled out. It was funny. We have our one little table of 35 Ohio Buckeyes, fans that is. And we have a hundred of all these Michigan. So by the end of the game, was it? It was hysterical. Bye. Bye. We looked around by the end of the game, and it was funny because I think there was 12 people, and that is no exaggeration. 12 people from Michigan. But in the very beginning of the game, they were rubbing it in for us Buckeyes. So by the end of the game, we were rubbing it into them. But here's what I think I'm trying to say. We have, after today, 21 days of Christmas to be able to reflect, to be able to pack in everything that we need to pack in for the season. And what ends up happening for us is that we lose sight of truly what Christmas is about. And I just want to tell you that this morning that in our society, they distract us from the greater picture of what Christmas is about. And I know even in my own life, I have, I have discovered that even in my walk with Christ, and putting aside the, being a pastor, I realize that all of the, the commercialized stuff that's going on out there has distracted me from having a, a broader view of really the true meaning of Christmas. We're such a schedule-oriented community, culture, where everybody's in such a hurry to go nowhere. And, and so for me to, to sit down and look over the joy of his calling, the, the, the thought of Advent week number one, and to talk about prophecy, I started thinking about Isaiah. And it started hitting me, and you'll appreciate this, Pastor Luke and Allie, that last night as God changed my whole message as he loves to do with me, that I'm going to share some things with you today out of Isaiah chapter 7. Then we'll cross over to Isaiah chapter 9. But when I think of this scripture verse, and I think that traditionally this should be a time of reflection and a time of prayer, I think of a man and his name is Isaiah, who God started to use great. Now listen, I'll give you a little autobiography of him. And and it started hitting me, okay, God uses his people in the times when there aren't as many people that are following him. 
So when I started looking in the scripture and I started noticing how Isaiah in Isaiah chapter six, he was actually called. And as he was called, the spirit, he went before the Lord and it says he noticed an angel with six wings. His face was covered. His legs were covered. And he said at that time, that's when he bowed down and he said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. That's in Isaiah chapter six. But I noticed that in Isaiah chapter seven. The verse that that rings for many of us that we know about is found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And I won't get ahead of myself, but when we talk about Advent and we talk about what's going on, we talk about the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the newborn king. So we kick off Christmas. And I was speaking with Pastor Luke and Ali last evening as we were wrapping up and concluding some things for uh, for today. But it, it was like the Lord, Lord started stirring up within my spirit. And he said, did you ever think that the world could be in the same place? Our culture is in the same place as it was back in the days when Isaiah walked the earth. Now, here's what is profound about this whole story. It says in Isaiah chapter 7 that darkness came upon the city, that it was a place where there, there wasn't much uh, excitement going on. And the Jews lost focus of who they truly were. And, and yet, even though they lost focus and they didn't really understand, you know, uh, God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to commission this man who used to be an assistant to Hezekiah, who is now gone, who now will be underneath this new king. And yet you will go to this new king. And once you get before this new king, here's what's going to take place. This king is not going to follow me. So now you, as the prophet... You're going to convince him to follow the true and living God. Now, for us, that becomes something simple and that becomes something relevant for all of us because, see, we were so blessed to be able to grow up into a wonderful Christian family. We got to hear a pastor preach a message. We had somebody walk up to us and say, do you know the Lord is your personal Savior? And we accepted Christ and we started living out our life, getting baptized, walking in the ways of Christ, but not really having the understanding of a one true living God. You speak to our Hindi community, the Nepali community, and you'll soon find out. That it's very difficult when you've gone from 200 to 2,000 gods that you've been bowing down to, to the one true living God that brings hope and life to the world. And so Jesus, all of a sudden, comes wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger to bring us hope and to bring us life. And so here they are. Man, things are going on. The malls are opening up early. People are going crazy. Mayhem's going crazy. I mean, they're a bunch of nonsense. People are partying. They're forgetting truly what Christmas is all about. And then all of a sudden, God starts to speak to Isaiah. And he tells Isaiah, Isaiah, you got to go work with the president. You got to go with the, work with the local officials. You, there's some things you've got to get done because you know what? You got to tell people that. A counselor, the Prince of Peace, is coming to bring hope to this world. Isaiah says, are you talking to me? And he starts to realize that, wait a minute, when is he coming? Now, here's something profound. So as I was doing some studying, you can turn down the mains just a little bit for me. 
I, as I was studying, I realized that after Isaiah prophesied, do you know it was 700 years until the Messiah was born? 700 years! That is a long time. So if our life expectancy is 100, there's going to be seven more of me telling people about the second coming of Christ. And the likelihood of me living to be 100, it's not happening. Not in my genealogical line. In our family tree, I keep claiming I'm living to be 90. So when I get up here and preach, I'll be like, everybody need to turn your Bibles to... All 12 people that will be looking at me going, oh, bless him. He needed to retire about 35 years ago. But reality is this. Isaiah didn't give up. He kept telling people and he kept prophesying and saying, this is what's going to take place. I mean, you know, to me, it's amazing because the son of God shall come. He shall be Wrapped up in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. He's going to die to give us life and to give us hope. And that's what this is all about. And the town scratched their head and said, Oh, that poor little prophet, he's lost his mind. What is he talking about? Back when I was a boy, I used to hear preachers talk about the second coming of Christ. And I used to think back in the 70s, Whoa, this is crazy. No wonder he's coming back. The froze, the bell-bottom pants, the stilettos that are that tall. I'm not talking girls wearing I'm talking guys. They wore those, like, boots. Ron, you know you had a pair. And uh, so, and we were all like, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. Get up and preach the word. And I used to think as a little boy sitting in the pew, he's coming back. And he's coming back soon. Well, now I'm 47 years old, and that was 40 years ago, 45 years ago. And as a little boy, I had to stop and think, he is coming back. It might take 700 years, but we have a job to do. The Great Commission. You see, when we talk about Advent, we talk about the candle. We talk about the wreaths. We talk about, you know, what where really is Advent. And it is, it is actually, and it talks about the four centuries uh, of waiting between Malachi and Matthew. And every week you light a different candle, uh, shining the light on themes of hope, peace, love, and joy, as you can see on our signs, through different readings by families in the church, or as this year I've decided to do something a little different, using the reminders or the rich reminders of the scriptures that are aimed to keep Christ of Christmas present in the midst of all of the presents as we focus on his first coming not his second to this world and so why do we light a candle we light a candle because it represents the beauty that shines bright in our busy busy dark world and so in our lives the only way that we can ever let our light shine is for us to slow down and let christ illuminate in us and so when we look in the life of isaiah I'm thinking in that busy world, in the place that was dark, in a place that people turned their eye away. Remember, the children of Israel, they wandered around and they wandered around and they wandered around. And God was always just trying to get a hold of them. I'm starting to see our culture the same way. Many of you 
may not know this, but Pastor Roberto has been struggling. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm putting out a commission. I, I'm asking that the church pray daily for New Hope Christian Fellowship, for New Hope Akron. Um, been under attack, and it's real. You know, we, again, we, we talk about things, but it's real. And Pastor Roberto came to me discouraged, ended up in the hospital this past week with chest pains and all kinds of stuff. And we've worked through some things. And he just got discouraged because he went from 43 people down to 25. And so what, what do we have to do? We need to put on the whole arm of God that we may be able to stand against the ways of the devil. So here's Isaiah. Same way. He's thinking, man. I'm getting attacked. Everybody's getting attacked. I don't want to do this. This is a dark, dark place to be in. But I like what it says. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 2, it says, See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Isn't that awesome? Wouldn't it be great that people look at you and go, Wow, man, you shine. You shine. The glory of God is all over you. Man, the power of God is over your life. Why? Because you have to realize, where is it that, that we need to change in a dark place? Are we yielding to what's going on in our world and in our culture? Are we truly being the light to save people? So, first of all, there's two major things that the, the prophets, that, that, that I love about our major prophet, Isaiah. First, his book is one of the longest. And second, his message that he had to share was very meaty. Now, I say all that to say some have pointed out that the 66 66 chapters in Isaiah serve as a miniature Bible. Since there are 66 books in the Bible, the first 39 chapters correspond to the law of the Old Testament, while the final 27 correspond with the liberty taught in the New Testament. Well, there are many themes to this wonderful book, I want to mention just three. Isaiah's book reveals this. God is in control. The Messiah is coming. And God always has a remnant that stays committed to him. You see, many people don't know this, but Isaiah actually means Jesus or Jehovah saves. Could you imagine your name being Jehovah saves and you going out there saying, Do you know what the scriptures have to say? Jesus is coming back. My daughter and Seth, they were in Cleveland with Seth's family yesterday, and she sent us a video of a man out there preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ as people were walking around downtown Cleveland. And many of us, because of what has taken place in our communities, we stop and we reflect and go, Oh my, what is that preacher doing? Because we realize that the way that they speak is not bringing hope. It's more of a they're, they're, it's more of a damnable, condescending conversation preaching. And we realize that Jesus brought hope to people. And that's what Isaiah was trying to do. And I know that he was preaching the gospel and he started to serve. But I think we, we lose sight of truly... Really the impact that we leave on people by the way we live our lives. And here we are now, centuries later, discussing the prophet Isaiah because of the way he lived his life. 
and the outcome of his life. Isaiah is bold about his longing for something more. He dared to believe that something better was coming, even though his culture was corrupt and everything around him seemed so dark. We can summarize Isaiah's audaciousness by looking at what he said in 64.1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and please come back. Come and get us. He is longing for the Lord to somehow come down into this world to make sense out of all of the nonsense. To bring peace to all the problems. To dispel the darkness and to get rid of all of the evil that's in the world. Isaiah is hungry to have the Holy One enter our whacked out world in an extraordinary manner. Church and brothers and sisters in the Lord, aren't you glad that the Lord has come down? That He came down to save us. God with us. Emmanuel. Let's pray. Lord, bless the next few minutes. Bless your word. Encourage us as we look into your word. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So let's look at chapter 7. And the first, here's what I want to go through with you this morning is I want to, for all of us to kind of get ready for something big. And to look at, you know, Jesus coming and what the prophet had to say. So we see in Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 7. And I want to start with verse 9. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is Ramalia's son. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Then the coming of the Syrian invasion starts to take place. In verse 10 it says, Moreover the Lord spake again unto Ahaz, saying, which was the king, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat that he may know to refuse the evil and to choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse evil... And choose the good, the land that thou abhorrest shall be forsaken of both their kings. The Lord shall bring upon thee and upon thy people and upon the father's house days that have not come from the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, even the king of Assyria. So first of all, we see a sure sign. When we come to here in chapter 7, there was an evil king named Ahaz. He's on the throne. And he had deliberately disobeyed God, and as a result, his kingdom came under attack from all quarters. In verse 2, it says, The hearts of Ahaz and his people were so shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the winds. Friend, if you don't know God when troubles come, you too will be shaken to the very core of your being and in your life. Instead of turning to the Lord, Ahaz begins to think about partnering with evil empire of Assyria. At this crucial time, God in his great love and mercy toward the house of David took the initiative and sent Isaiah the prophet to help King Ahaz. Can you imagine 
being in a place where you know you're walking into a man who God's given this man opportunity, which he gives all of us opportunity, and we keep rejecting it. He brings people in our way, and we keep rejecting it. He opens up the door. You know, Jesus stands at the door and knocks. You know the scripture verse? If he opens the door, will you step through? Quit standing outside the door and answer his call. So here's what he does. He ends up sending the king, I mean the prophet, to the king because he wants to turn his heart around in a place where it's just like today in America. Dark. Lost. People are going their own way, living their own lives. And Isaiah sits back and goes, you're not sending me to that man. But Isaiah listens to the word of the Lord. And he says, okay, God, I will go. Here I am. Use me. Mold me. Change me. I'm finding in churches today, and one of the biggest topics that are talked about in the churches is that people don't want to change. They're comfortable. See, change requires repentance. Repentance means that you have to turn from the old person and walk in something different. So when we repent from what we're doing and we turn to God, then our life starts to change. See, and that's what took place in Isaiah's life. He's like, I've got to go convince the king to turn, repent, and change his life. Folks, we deal with all kinds of hurts, habits, and hang-ups. The only way you will ever get free is to repent Turn and change. Oh, you don't understand, Pastor Todd. You don't deal with addictions. You don't know what I deal with. Really, you don't. Nor do I know really what you deal with on a personal level. But God does. And in the Old Testament, God brought this man to give a message of hope. To say, listen, we need to change this nation We need to change the Jewish people. What you're doing is you're gathering yourself around all these people to start to take over all this. And God's trying to get a hold of you people and you're just not listening. And in the midst of it all, all of a sudden, here comes a prophet who says, as the Lord himself gave a sign, that someday that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and his name shall be called Emmanuel. Wow. You know, as I go through these messages every year for Christmas and I tell myself I have to do something different. I'm really not doing anything different for the congregation because for some of you, you weren't here last year for Christmas. And for some of you, you've heard it for the last nine years. But I always try to I try to take the scriptures and even for myself, I want to learn something. That's really what I try to do. And I try to think why or where or when what was going on. You know, isn't it so true about all of us? We'll we'll say, I hate my life. People just don't understand my struggles that I'm going through. And yet, I want to say, wait a minute. If God laid this on my heart, then he's showing us sure signs today that he's real. But we haven't surrendered to that. See, Isaiah started to surrender. And so I'm encouraging all of you to surrender to God's will. Man, is it hard. I love throwing a temper tantrum. 
I love being angry. I love the power that's inside of me. And then God reminds me, you fool. The outcome isn't as good as if you're walking in my spirit, if you're walking in the flesh. So I love Isaiah. Okay, God, here I am. Use me. Change me. Isaiah points out in verse 9 that if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. This is really a pun in Hebrew that can be translated like this. If there is no belief, you will find no relief. If there is no belief, you will find no relief. In verse 10, we read that he was supposed to ask for a sign that would help him believe. In verse 12, we see that Ahaz, the king, refused to ask for a sign. This lights Isaiah up in verse 13. He says, Here now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of God also? Then we come to this remarkable prophetic passage in verse 14 there that says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call his name Emmanuel. So let me show you a few, few things here. Let's notice a few things out of that text. The Lord himself will give a sign. That's similar to what Abraham said in Genesis 22.8. God himself will provide the lamb. Number two, the sign was given to all of us. The word you in this passage is plural, indicating that it was not just assigned to Ahaz, but to everyone as the angel made it clear in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Do not be afraid. I bring you good, to- good news of great joy that will be for all people. Verse 13 mentions that the sign is specifically given to the house of David. Do you guys understand the house of David? Let me break that down for you. So the house of David is the lineage of David, which if you go to Matthew, and we won't go there right now, but it actually talks about Jesus Christ is in the Davidic line, the lineage of David. So I love how God plays everything out from Genesis to Revelation, because what he's doing is he's showing you the timeline of Jesus' life before he's born. And so we start to notice here that the prophet's continually telling them, get your heart right. Listen, children of Israel, you've wandered long enough. Get your heart right. So we see it from Moses to Aaron to Abraham. Always God's using these men of God to tell people, turn from your wicked ways, seek my face. Then you will hear from heaven. I will heal your land and you'll be saved. I don't need to live a life like that. It's too difficult. I understand that. So we notice here that the sign will be a son born to a virgin. In the Hebrew, there is a grammatical interjection that should read, Behold, the virgin will be with child. It is used to arrest attention to indicate the importance of what is about to be said. Now listen, this is no ordinary pregnancy and no ordinary birth. A virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. This would certainly stand out as a miraculous sign. Didn't they hear that? A virgin will give birth? How does a virgin give birth? How does that happen? But the prophet heard from God. I love what one lady says in our church. She says, sometimes you get stinking thinking. And when you have that stinking thinking, you know, do we mix that up with, wait a minute, is that the Holy Spirit speaking to us? I'm so thankful that our prophet didn't have that stinking thinking. And he said, I know 
by whom I'm hearing. And it was God. God was speaking to him. We all need God to speak to us, to enjoy just the fellowship that we have with him. And then last, the son would be God incarnate. The name Emmanuel means the strong God with us. While this was not Jesus' proper name, it was a name that belonged to him as the attribute. This is who he is. This is who he says he is. This is who he will be. This is him. From the point of the miraculous birth on, God would himself be present among his people. And I love what Matthew chapter 1 says, verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. So in the New Testament, prophecy revealed by Isaiah speaking of prophecy or of a prophetic message concealed, he said also, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so did, did Ahaz understand this? No. Was it fulfilled during his lifetime? No. It was a prophecy focusing on the future given to all people that God could be with all people for all time for a sure sign. In Isaiah chapter 9, we look at verse 1. And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 reads, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be as such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. Zebulon and Naphtali are tribes from the north of Israel, making up the land of Galilee. Now, once I get past this boring stuff, I'll give you a conclusion and we'll be done. For many years, the people in this region knew only grief because of the onslaught of enemies unleashed by the Almighty as a result of their sins. Can you imagine? Remember, when did AIDS epidemic come about? Was that in the early 80s? And people were saying, it's because of the way people are living their life. It's because God has unleashed his wrath upon mankind. And if we don't get a hold of this, then all of a sudden we're all going to be wiped out. Well, this is what I noticed in this verse. That there was an onslaught of enemies unleashed by the Almighty as a result of their sins. God allows things to happen, and then he holds us accountable, church. So that's what he started to do because of sin. Because they lived closest to the bad guys, they were in the first ones to be attacked. Isaiah tells of a time in the future where gloom will be replaced with gladness in Galilee. Don't miss the fact that the ministry of Jesus was grounded in Galilee. So listen closely. Christmas was in his birth in the midst of great grief. While the angels were proclaiming peace on earth, Herod was preparing to annihilate infants. While Mary was worshiping, other mothers were weeping for the loss of their children. Christmas joy is best understood with the junk of life all around us because gladness comes when we're grieving. Is that where you're at today? 
That's okay if you are. Because that's exactly where Emmanuel will meet up with you. And he will take care of you. In verse 2 of Isaiah 9, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, light has dawned. You see, I'm looking forward to our Christmas Eve service. I love, personally, I love our Christmas Eve service. And Shelva, you'll appreciate this. I still remember our first Christmas Eve service. Remember Debbie and Leslie were at the, the YMCA. And I'll never forget that. Every time I have a Christmas Eve service in this church, I go immediately right back. What many people do not know, I was raised Baptist. And in the Baptist church, we never had a Christmas Eve service. I didn't even know what a candlelight service was. I didn't even know what the reflection of that Christmas Eve service was. And I remember in that little jazzercise area, remember, we had candles and it was so cool and it was quiet. We had soft music playing and it was just because if you've ever been over here on Broad Street by the YMCA, there's a whole wall and there's mirrors in it. And just to watch, you know, to see the, the illumination from one side of the room. And we were only in there because one year anniversary was in this building. God blessed because we followed what he wanted for our lives. We listened. And that was such a, an amazing time because... Even though we light candles to show the impact of Christ that he brings to a dark world. And I don't know if you understood that's why we actually light the candle because of what was going on in the day when Jesus Christ came. All of this sin was taking place and he became that bright light. Not just the star, but he was the one who brought light to a world that was dying and going to hell. So God the Father sent his son to give us life. And that's true salvation. And so when we light the candle, I'm reminded of what it says in John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Isaiah 9, 4, we read that the enemies of Israel had burdened the people with bars across their shoulders, which is called actually a yoke. When the light of life comes, the heavy yoke will be shattered. Instead of wiping us out, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the place of burdens, God wants to give us blessings. So I'm just going to finish with this. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says this. And we can look, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God. The everlasting Father. And the Prince of Peace. And even though we see that verse, I want you to just stop and we're going to break it down real quick. It actually says there, the phrase to us means for us, for our benefit. Then the emphasis is on the child. The baby was given for our benefit. The verse sets forth the indescribable uniqueness of Jesus. Notice both his humanity and yet his deity is described in that same awesome verse. We see attributes of God and characteristics of man.
For to us a child is born. This describes his birth as a baby. To us a son is given. Jesus is God's son, given as a gift to mankind. The child was birthed in Bethlehem, and the gift of the eternal son is given to us. On top of that, the government will be upon his shoulders. This means that all expectations of the throne of King David are fulfilled in Christ. The baby bundled in the straw holds the universe together. The one nestled on Mary's shoulders. There's everything on his shoulders. He is redeemer and he is the ruler of all. Part of the reason we have been inoculated by the incarnation, even bored with the baby, is because we focus only on the infant Jesus. He is far more than that as we see and unfold in a fourfold title, the phrase. And he will be called, which means he will justly bear this name. He is profound. He's the wonderful and counselor. He is powerful because he is almighty God. He is personal because he's the everlasting father. And he is peaceful because he is the prince of peace. It is amazing to me that Isaiah not only knew that Emmanuel would be born, to a virgin as a short sign. But he also understood that he would be the sent son. We're reminded of what Gabriel said to Mary in Luke chapter 1 verse 32. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. He's a sure sign and a sent son. Isn't that awesome? He is a sure sign and a sent son. And it says in the scriptures... In Isaiah 11, verse 1 and 2, that he is a root out of dry ground. Because of time, I'm not going to go there. But I want you guys to know this, that this morning, Jesus is a sure sign. He is the sent son. He is the shoot from a stump. But more importantly, he is the suffering Savior. He loves us. He cares for us. He died for us. And if God the Father found it so important 700 years before Jesus would be born to plant in the mind of Isaiah the prophet and say, someday this man will come to save his people. We have forgotten. We have forgotten, church. The importance of truly what our calling is. For it says he shall become as the everlasting father. The one who truly does bring us peace. So this morning, let's make this applicable for us. If we are all so wrapped up into shopping, wrapped up into all the other nonsense. When I make a comment like this. Or Pastor Luke makes the comment like this. We're going to have our Christmas Eve service, and it's going to be at 1030 a.m. December 24th. We'd like for you to invite your family and friends. Wouldn't it be awesome to share with somebody? Could you just go to church with me today? I want you to hear, maybe from a different perspective, the story of the newborn king. See, that's not my calling. I'm not supposed to do that pastor i'm not saying nothing to anybody what are they going to think oh, i mean 
that I have to, I have to put this and make it more relevant for all of us. We have, we no longer need the prophet to go before us because we realize that Jesus Christ came, that he died on a cruel cross so that we now have the opportunity to accept him as Lord and Savior. And now Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father and the Holy Spirit bears witness for us so that we can go to him. We now have the privilege of hearing the same message that the prophet Isaiah had. Have you not received it? Do you want to receive the same message that God sent to the prophet in your life today? Then just receive it. Say, here I am, Lord. Use me. Here I am, Lord. Use me. And so in in the midst of the joy of his calling, I go back. I'm a little boy. And I remember sitting. I closed my eyes. I was about right here. And as I was a little boy, I'm sitting there, and I'll remember John Gray from Papua New Guinea. And he was saying, God needs you. God needs you. And I'm thinking to myself, what's going on here? And I can still close my eyes. We're in a storefront, and I'm up there in Indiana, and and I remember I'm clutching on those chairs. You know, I'm like, I'm not going up there. I'm not going to do this. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, no, I'm not. And I remember, I can still remember that feeling when I went up to the altar and I prayed. And I remember the joy of his calling falling on me. And I said, here I am, Lord. Use me. At that point, I really thought because he was from Papua New Guinea that the Lord was sending me to Africa. I think I was a little bit like freaked out for just a minute. I'm like, please don't send me to Africa. I hate big tarantulas and those snakes that come up like this called a cobra. And I just, I don't want to have to fight him early in the morning when I'm shaving. And I didn't want none of that. But God brought me to North Hill, Ohio. Hallelujah. (laughs) So here's what we have to look at. If God's calling you, if God has spoke to you today, listen, if he's calling you and saying today's your day of salvation, then you know what? If it was important for him to speak to a prophet thousands of years ago and we saw it played out, did the prophetic message come true? Yes. We, re- we believe that in the word. Then guess what? God can still use us, move us, mold us. What are we waiting for, church? Say this with me. Lord, I receive your calling. I hope you meant it. Because truth, he wants to move this church. He wants to move you. Because see, it's not the building we're moving. It's the community of believers. That's the church. Friend, he was born this day in the city of David. A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. His name shall be called Emmanuel. For he is God with us. He has come to save his people. The strong one that has come to save his people. Where have you struggled this week? Have you called upon Emmanuel? Have you said, God, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. Would you call on him today? Would you come to him today? 
Are, what are you waiting for? If today is your day of salvation, listen, you come before him. All this didn't take place just because we wanted to take a roller coaster ride at Cedar Point. He did this so that you would have life and then be able to proclaim that same life and hope to other people. What a great message of joy. And I love that the day that he called me, that I surrendered. Would you come to the cross of Christ? Would you fall before him and say, God, here I am. You've come. Your word is true. And if his word is true, you yield to it. Let him use you. And let him do something great in your life. Let us pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. Lord, I thank you for your son who came, who died to give us life. And Lord, I'm reminded that even in the midst of turmoil, you said even through the scriptures and Lord, I love the book of Isaiah where it says that in this dark time, you became light to a dark place. God, I just want to stop and say that Isaiah, what an awesome name. Meaning that Jehovah saves. Lord, for many of us in this room, we don't really even understand nor know the meaning of what our name means or what its significance is. But Lord, we know the significance of who we are in you. So Lord, I just pray that even today that if someone's in this room that they'll understand that even in the Old Testament, that even though the prophets spoke, And he said, there will be a mighty man that will come. Lord, you revealed, you revealed it to us. Lord, you sent your son to die for us. To give us life, to give us hope, to give us salvation. Lord, in those moments when we're tired and we feel exhausted and we just don't think we can make it anymore, Lord, we just pray that... God, you'll just pick us up because you are the God who saves. Lord, we realize that many of us, if we've come to the place where we know you as Lord and Savior, and we are born again, we just haven't walked in in your ways. Lord, today, help us to just surrender. I know that Isaiah didn't want to go before the king because he wasn't a good guy to go before. But Lord, you turned things around. And a message was spoken because Isaiah didn't do it in his own will. He did it through you, God. So help us not to be motivated in our flesh, but be motivated in our spirit. And then stop and remember, Lord, what this season of Advent truly is all about. It's about the celebration and the coming of the newborn King. Who came to save all of us from a lake of fire, from a place of torment. Lord, we have life because of you. Lord, today I pray for our church and our people. And I pray, Father, that you'll just move this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your prophetic message. Lord, move in us and through us. In your holy name we pray. Amen.